Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to the Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Have you seen the bruised faces of healthcare workers after 14 hours strapped into tight face masks and other personal protective gear? Have you seen footage of doctors and nurses collapsing from exhaustion? Have you heard their pleas for us to stay home to do the right thing? There's a very high chance as a healthcare worker that we will contract this virus. And I bring that home and my husband dies because he's not young, fit and healthy. Today, we're going to speak to a range of healthcare professionals to find out exactly what they want us to know right now and how they're dealing with the coronavirus crisis. Confusion, worry, fear, panic. We're all in the same boat right now where it comes to this COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. But while we try and make heads or tails of government advice, work out whether to take the kids to school, how we can work from home, there are people who will head into the war zone while we head out, who'll be working to save the lives of those who weren't able to avoid that person they came into contact with who has the virus, who will potentially be putting their own family's lives at risk in order to save yours. The nation's healthcare workers are standing by. They're already busy, already stretched, already working with a lack of proper equipment, and they know that if we don't take this virus seriously and stay at home right now, in the next few weeks or months, they'll be pushed to and beyond their and their facilities' limits. They know they may have to make decisions that mean life or death. Already, the strain is starting to take its toll. Dr Marita Long is a GP who specialises in women's health. Look, it's just been really tough. And can I just start off by saying that I'm in a really fortunate position. You know, I've got a family, I've got a house, I've got land, I grow my own veggies. I'm really lucky. You know, we have a steady income. So that a lot of people are dealing with, but I I didn't have to deal with that. I think the hardest thing for us in general practice is that we're at the front line. So we're trying to manage instruction from governments, from departments of health, from chief medical officer. We're trying to look after our patients as best we can with changing information hourly, 12 hourly, 24 hourly, people coming back from overseas who weren't at risk, who are at risk, who now everyone's at risk. We're trying to balance the responsibility of caring for their regular needs as well as now the fear of could they have coronavirus, are they infected, is there a potential that they're going to infect anyone else? Is there a potential they're going to infect us? Is there a potential we're going to infect our family? And it's a really unusual space to be in. Like, I love my job as a GP, but for the last couple of weeks, it's been like going into a hostile environment, like an environment that you're fearful all the time. And, you know, as you would know, that we've swapped to a lot of telehealth now, so trying to do consults over the phone. And that's, whilst it sounds great, it's very, very tricky So if you can imagine you've got a child, you're worried about your child and we're saying don't bring the child in, we'll call you and talk to you. And we're asking you to comment on their breathing. Can you tell me if they're breathing normally? I mean, it takes us years of training to figure that stuff out. You know, do you think they have a sore throat? Have they got a temperature? Are they eating, drinking? All those things that are just that little bit harder when 
as a doctor, you can't eyeball the patient. You can't look at the mum. You can't see the sense of worry that they've got. And because everyone's worry is so escalated, making those assessments is equally tricky. So work has become a really difficult space for me. I can't speak for all GPs, but for me. What are you most concerned about right now? To be honest, my biggest fear is infecting my family because my husband's over 65 and he's got lung disease and I've got a daughter who's moved back home who's also got moderate asthma and active autoimmune disease. And that sounds like a terrible thing, doesn't it? It's selfish to think that in a way that I think as a doctor too, your whole training, your whole life, you put your patients first. That's what medicine demands of us. We do so much for our patients and that's what we signed up for and we know that and that's not saying I don't want to do that. But at this point in time, my biggest fear has been going to work because we haven't had protective gear and there's a very high chance as a healthcare worker that we will contract this virus and I bring that home and my husband dies because he's not young, fit and healthy. So, you know, they're real worries for people, for GPs. And then you balance that with the fear of not taking appropriate care of your patients because you're feeling worried, apprehensive, unsure, fearful. Then you balance that with letting your colleagues down. So if I'm not at work, how can I not go to work but expect my colleagues to be at work? You know, you look at general practice in rural and remote communities where a lot of the doctors are ageing. I fear for them and I fear for those communities. What's going to happen if the doctors in those communities become unwell and die, who's going to look after those communities? What's going to happen to our emergency doctors? What's going to happen to the population? Life has changed now, as we know it, and it's really, really frightening. What needs to be done? What do we need to do right now? What's our first priority? Well, our first priority is that everyone has to do the right thing. You know, Everyone has to stop now and everyone has to stay at home. We've had that message over and over again, and I know it's very confusing because we haven't got the strong leadership that perhaps we're seeing in New Zealand, but I think there's been enough people sending that clear message that people do have to stay at home, keep your kids home. I know there's conflicting advice around that as well, but if you can keep your kids home, keep your kids home. You know, keep your family safe and close. I don't know what we do about protecting our healthcare workers. I really don't know what we do because the message is there isn't enough equipment. I'm going back to work today. I've had the last five days off, which was planned leave. I'm going back today on the proviso that they're going to provide me with protective gear to wear when I have to examine any patient, not just a respiratory patient now, because there's community spread. We don't know who has this virus now, and we know a lot of people are asymptomatic. So if I need to examine a patient today, I want to know that I've got protective gear to wear. And I think that's the basics that we need. But we know that that's going to run out. And I don't know what we do about that because everyone you talk to just says there is none. There's no more available gear. So we're very limited in what we can use. Once we start getting a lot of doctors being sick, that's again going to have a massive impact. It's only a matter of days now that we're going to start seeing really sick people presenting to hospital. Nurse Amanda is also worried. She knows that we're nowhere near the peak of this thing and that this time now is nothing compared to what we may be facing in a week or month's time. We're worried about everyone. We're worried about how we're going to care for them and are we going to be able to help them? Do we have enough resources? 
And the scary thing is the more and more reports that are being done about COVID-19 and the things that are coming out of Italy and China just puts the fear of God in you because we're just not ready. We are just not ready. We don't have enough stuff to help people if it goes as badly as they've seen it go in other places. It could have been prevented if people were practicing stricter social isolation. We could prevent so many people getting sick and it's extremely frustrating and heartbreaking to know that because people are being a bit careless now, it's going to potentially cost lives in the future. And it's devastating to look at that. And that's our main concern. And then I guess our next concern is, do we have enough PPE for ourselves? You want to at least know that when you need the PPE, it's there. But all we're hearing is shortages, shortages. It just stresses you out because I guess we feel a bit naked and exposed. And you're trying to tell everyone, it's okay. Be prepared. Don't be scared. And on the inside, you're literally scared, thinking it's today the day that I'm going to go to work and I'm going to pick it up from someone and then bring it home to my family. How have you felt about this conversation about closing schools, for example, because you are an essential worker, you are on the front lines of this and your kids need to go somewhere. There's a lot of conversation that school should just be shut down. How do you feel about all that? My kids are in school to the end of last week. But I was of the belief that schools should be closed before then. And I took the active step to pull my kids out this week after doing a bit of research and actually hearing from um, a mother who wrote something about what happened in Italy and how they just took it pretty relaxed and still let the kids socialise and did all of this. I refer to children as a Trojan horse almost in this because, yes, there's some cases that get sick, but they don't nearly get as unwell as the adults do. And a lot of the time, They don't even have any symptoms. So kids are the Trojan horse. And it's like if we're having a bunch of Trojan horses at school spreading their little Trojan horse virus around and then they come home, come into the community, the amount of grandparents and vulnerable people that are interacting with those children, it just doesn't make sense to keep them there. I think bringing them home, letting them isolate at home, it should have been done sooner. We've got the evidence there. We can watch what other people have done and the errors they've made. And it seems to be falling on deaf ears. People are screaming out from those countries, do it, isolate, why are you hesitating? And yet we hesitate still. As far as it goes with people like me being essential workers and not having other means to stay at home with their children, then as they've done overseas, they've left the schools open to that small amount of essential workers' children to filter them and the classes are small. And they could do what Singapore is doing where they test everyone's temperature in the morning, all the students, they stagger recess and lunch times, they are really strict with their hand hygiene and if anyone's unwell, straight home. They've put measures in place and they're actually being really strict about what the school is doing and how the schools are open. And so I think we could be doing better. What do you want Australian people to know right now about coming to the hospital and about dealing with their health right now? What is it you need us to know? I would really like people to not come to hospital unless they absolutely have to. Don't even leave your house unless you absolutely have to is the basis of this. The hospital isn't necessarily a safe place to be unless you have to be there. We've already restricted the amount of visitors coming in, but it's just a suggestion. We can't actually enforce that as such. And people just don't want to hear about it. They don't want to change their routines and it's heartbreaking because you just want to help people, but you can't help them unless they want to help themselves. And by helping themselves, they're actually helping everybody. Doctors and nurses aren't the only healthcare workers being pushed to the limit right now. 
Jasmine Perry is a National Carer Development Manager in Foster Care for MacKillop Family Services in Victoria. Jasmine, what effect has the virus had on our foster care system and social workers? Prior to COVID-19, we have always had a chronic shortage of foster carers. COVID-19 has made that even more challenging. Before the pandemic, the number of children coming into care was increasing. The impacts of COVID-19 is really going to impact the vulnerable families. So we're going to see further emotional and financial stress, job losses. You know, people are going to be confined to their houses together for long periods of time. We know family violence is a real problem in Australia and we are predicting that we're only going to see another spike in, you know, notifications to child protection and subsequently children coming into care. There is a shortage in protective gear and things like that across all sectors. We do have social workers and things still meeting with families and going into homes. If people are willing and able to open their homes to children and young people, and if they've ever thought about doing that, now's the time. Get in contact with us. We are re-engineering our processes to be able to do everything online, aside from maybe a home visit where we're making sure that the home environment is suitable. We can't find enough foster carers. Where are these kids going to go? The information we're getting from our government is confusing. They're trying to make the best decisions both for our health and our economy, and sometimes they're not compatible, something that doctors do understand. This is anaesthetist Dr Kayleigh Jordan. They're making some good decisions. I think the tricky thing for the government is that they're probably in a position where they're trying to balance what's best for health and what's best for the economy. As doctors, we're more looking at it from what's best for the health of people in the country. So... Purely from a health point of view, of course, more things should be shutting up. I would personally like to see schools closed and I would like to see things like gym classes where they're still allowed 10 people in a gym class. I think that seems ridiculous when you can't even have that at a wedding. I think people need to start thinking for themselves rather than just doing things because they're still allowed to and just, I suppose, using common sense. But if you can do the right thing by everyone, stay at home unless you're an essential service provider and keep your kids home too if you can, keep a safe distance from everyone around you, then you can make a difference, just like our favourite world leader Jacinda Ardern says. Remember, stay at home, break the chain and you'll save lives. It's as simple as that. That's everyone's job for the next four months. The Quickie is produced by Melanie Tate with audio production by Ian Camilleri. And if you're looking for a bunch of mates to hang out with during this very strange time in our lives, head on over to Out Loud and find out why Mia is suggesting you need more sparkles in your life while Jesse and Holly eye roll from their lounge rooms. Download Mamma Mia Out Loud now three times a week and you will never feel alone, even when you're in isolation.